ladies and gentlemen, trees and non-binaries, Adam, founder here on Fantastic Universe's Brick with another exciting episode of The Hostile Takeover, where me and a friend discuss their favourite game, all their loves, hates, thoughts and feelings about what they like to play. Now, I've had this guest on the show before, but he's honestly one of my dearest friends. He's the kind of guy that I can trust to keep his finger on the pulse of what's happening in the indie gaming circuit, and he has yet to disappoint me, to be perfectly honest. He was right ahead of the curve about four guys. He's been keeping me appraised on the core games development. He's shown me a lot of really handy stuff for our mutual love of Dungeons and Dragons, and he has talked my ear off about Pokemon. Welcome back in, welcome <laughs> back to the show, Kazuka Blades, Corey Burke. How you doing, my good pal? I am good. I am good. Glad to be here again. Oh man, it's been a long time, but hey, it's worth it. It has been worth it. With uh, many changes here in Fantastic Universe, we've been trying to get ourselves an official big grandiose statement and if you're listening to this version that means that you're one of our delightful delicious patrons you've been able to hear the extended ad free version but for those who may not be there's still versions perfectly out there for all your listening pleasure but thank you for choosing to support us on patreon so Corey, to go into our main event i've known you for a while to have a deep love of this franchise the monster hunter franchise but i have the Again, the delight of knowing practically nothing. So, the briefest rundown, my good pal. Briefest rundown of Monster Hunter. In summary, if you if I had to explain it in a simple manner, monsters are basically afflicting the world, and they are able to literally be beings of destruction and recreation in nature itself. And it's your task to basically hunt them, make armor out of them, and then go fight even stronger monsters. I really should have thought my question through, because with a title like Monster Hunter, it should be pretty clear off the bat, though, but still there's more to it than that, I'd say. Oh, hell yeah. Because, well, to start off, effectively, I was not an avid player of it at first, despite when it first came out, mind you. <laughs> I got only got into it in, say, my college years, when I had my PS. PS Portable? Yeah, PlayStation Portable on hand. And my uncle just decided, hey, you might actually like this game and got me one of the old ones. I can't remember what the name was. All I know it was definitely for the PlayStation Portable, but I could not even understand the game at first myself. The buttons were too complex myself to understand. And it just went crazy. I went crazy. I was like, I'm not playing this game ever again. <laughs> only until it came out to the PS4 and I was like, you know what? I actually like the lore and everything about this game. Let me try out Monster Hunter World and lo and behold, now I'm streaming it. <laughs> yeah, you are. You've been doing many different things on YouTube, streaming uh, many classics, your personal favourites, and it's always good to keep up with your personal faves for your content. But uh, let's talk about like that actual initial struggle because that's quite interesting to me. When I hit a difficulty wall on a game from the off, I will I will drop it. I will straight drop it. I, I if it's like too mechanics heavy or too like the way that the interface just doesn't get me, I will cut it. So I'm very interested to hear what drove you back in. What pulled you back? Effectively, I remember when I heard Monster Hunter World was being announced for the PS4, and when I saw the gameplay of it, effectively. To my eyes, to anyone else's eyes, when they saw the when they saw the trailer and someone playing it, it was just this guy is running around 
with a giant ass weapon. In my head, I was like, that's Monster Hunter. But then there was something that I never saw before, an actual one of the hardest monsters in the game. It was like a giant T-Rex. <laughs> nice. Always a and good start. Its name is called Anjanef. Effectively, you to the untrained eye, you just thought, oh, this is just your regular T-Rex. No, it's a T-Rex that breathes fire. Next thing you know, this guy is running around this huge like platform going through this giant forest. It's like he had that whole area memorized from from start to finish and he just led the monster into traps was killing it with the best of his abilities next thing i know i see like the flagship monster of the game called raffalos come in and just swoop down and attack the damn t-rex out of nowhere and i'm like okay now they've actually pulled me back in i'm going to get this game and for my sake this time i'm going to sit down with the controls actually give it a chance and see how this whole thing works out because I actually want to complete this game now. When brush aside the PSP <laughs> method, <laughs> uh, when a when a franchise draws in and makes the effort to actually like put, put their tra- trailers up so well, you can really draw a lot of hype. Especially when those that generation of consoles started to come out, there was a lot of hype around the early titles for PS4 back in the day. So yeah, uh, that would definitely bring in a lot of people. And I've say, said from what I've seen like seeing Let's Plays and watching your streams of it, um, youtube.com forward slash Cosmics, I would say that, yeah, that stuff really draws people in. And I like it does look like wild and intense and something I could definitely be involved with. So no pressure on you. You've got to try and sell this game a little, mo- little bit more to little old me. <laughs> well, to say for the least, right now the current game that's out is Monster Hunter Rise. But I think something that you'd be interested in is the lore of the whole world, because mainly I know that you are very good when it comes to making up lore of uh, whether it's a D&D world or, let's say, a monster that you just forged up in your head. You devious person, you. <laughs> I mean, like, Burry uh, Monsters is literally my job. Right before I got on this call, I was writing about um, uh, iron elementals, because the way I see it is just like in terms of alchemy, the four elements, air, earth, fire, and water, weren't the only things that alchemists thought made the universe. So what else do they think of? Some of the core elements, and then stuff like salt and sulfur. So those oh. are coming to the Apotheosis Studios blog sometime soon. But yeah, you know me very well, my friend. I do appreciate a very deep, entrenched fantasy story, and I would like to think that there's a decent sight of that in there, because there's this sort of, from what I gather, you'll probably correct me in a minute, but there's this grand wild rugged landscape with a few cities here and there and these monster hunters strap up huge swords made of teeth and claws go out into the wilds and charge down these monsters am i right practically yeah that sounds so insane and so inviting which is something i know you're trying to bring to our gaming tables very soon it's gonna be wild when i when i get it fully up and running fully from what i've delved into and read in the history of this whole game they've been coexisting with these monsters from what I've read in the history books about these games. And from what I can tell, at a certain point in history, because they were they were so reliant upon these monsters at first, the monsters would gladly even give themselves to be used as materials to help the civilization. But at some point, they had taken too much and they wanted to, let's say, be in control of these monsters more than just coexisting 
it effectively became a thing of the the monsters that were very powerful, you'd call them elder dragons. These ones would have the power to actually change nature to whatever they deem necessary. One in particular, if you've seen me play Monster Hunter World from the beginning, effectively it was the case of you have this dragon, I can't remember his name for the life of me. Um, let's just call him Volcano Boy. It's almost the size of an island. And effectively, in the game Monster Hunter World, you're trying to prevent him from settling down because once he does that, he is going to release so much energy upon the island that he settled on that it's literally going to remake the entire island into a barren waste wasteland. That's pretty interesting to me. The fact that these are like giant, more cosmic monsters rather than just like wild beasts that would tear up the countryside. I probably there's there's probably some of both, but like the fact that they're so immense and so ancient that they actually like influence the remaking of the world and like that sort of balance they had with civilization that the the game only starts when like humanity goes too far that's just got a lot of like respecting greenery and nature sort of elements that i've definitely always really loved and respected so that interest that is not something i was expecting from to hear about in the story of this game which makes me even more interested if you can imagine any different kinds like some that just um i, I wouldn't they are that powerful you don't want to really mess with them even though some monsters could easily probably take them down it's a case of, yeah, no, still, if it's classified Elder, don't mess with it if you're not strong enough to even take it on in the first place. The fact that the ancient civilization tried to, and they tried to make a, I want to say, pseudo-weapon, which was like a dragon, to fully beat the Elder Dragons into shape. So in new Monster Hunter games that release out, every now and then you would be defended by Elder Dragons so that humans can't reach these areas ever again and unlock their old technology. Which is strange because obviously when you do start up Monster Hunter, you realize that the weapons that you carry are from that ancient civilization. That's something they actually managed to get back. But at the same time, the more, I want to say, important ru ruined areas are, are places that the monsters are definitely protecting. Like just unconsciously. It's not even like instinctive thing. It's just like, oh, there's an Elder Dragon there. Don't go near there. <laughs> For that very reason. Okay, that's that. I could very easily see how this title and this premise could very easily just be like, you're a hunter, go out and slay these things, quest, 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 quest. And like, the early game probably is that, but there's so much more to it now that I honestly haven't even considered, which I really appreciate. They're going to actually try and apply effort to put in this grand cosmology of all of these beasts that have done these things. I. Yeah, I can really appreciate and, uh, and dig that because, like, with that, you can even go to all sorts of things. And then the story of just like, uh, well, there's these other dragons we didn't know about. Where did they come from? Do they have some sort of grand destiny? You could tell so many kinds of stories with this, which I really appreciate and I find quite exciting. But yeah, even with the current, even with the current one I'm playing, um, I've learned a lot about that story. I wouldn't want to spoil it for anyone. You heard about a legend of dragons were basically ever born and effectively you had the human civilization there and what happened was the dragons were effectively in a coexistence with these people but because the people were sad that there was really nothing there on the island at first the dragons gave their life for this island to basically exist and at some point 
the, the island became barren. No more humans lived there. It was only just monsters. The fifth fleet of hunters, people who are researchers, scientists, whatever, all going to this island to basically finally figure out the full-on mystery of this legendary island. It turns out to be a monster that's luring elder dragons there to die and absorb their energy upon their deaths. That sounds insane. Yeah, wow. Mainly because it's just being born, so it's luring monsters there to die and absorb their energy whilst it's trying to keep, give birth to itself. So, with big cosmic dragons like that taking in the energy of other monsters, does that mean that like all of these monsters that are sort of like inherently magical, they have some sort of like energy and life force to them that people will channel into their weapons and just sort of like make them generally strong or whatever? No. Effectively, some of these weapons, you look at them and the way they act, I'd say yes, there's a potential for there to be magical energy there, mainly because you have even weapons that could set themselves... If you've seen the Monster Hunter movie that came out recently, uh, the movie, you see the main character, she has dual blades. I can't remember her name, the life of me, but um, the dual blades, effectively, that she uses... Um, set themselves alight and that's mainly a property just because it's been fused with the monster materials in there that it could set itself alight and be able to do damage to a monster. We're talking dual blades as in two daggers sure. that those could even hurt a monster in general make it surprisingly interesting and does give way to think that there could be magic in there. First, there was the DC Comics News Podcast. Then came the Spinner Rack. And now, the third show brought to you by the guys that brought you all that other stuff I just mentioned. I Am The Night. A story about the stories. A show celebrating Batman, the animated series. Week by week, episode by episode. Just when you thought it was safe to put on a pair of headphones, I am the Knight. Why, hello there. I'm Seth Singleton, and I'm here to tell you about Mad Pup, a Harley Quinn cast. Three, two, one. Harley Quinn? Harley fucking Quinn? What have we learned from this crazy show? Making bat shark repellent relevant since 1966. Oh, look, Gogurt. And we've gone completely off the rails. I hear the bat signal. Shut up and bat them, nuts. I definitely do not fuck bats. In need of an adult-sized nemesis. Humans make good fertilizer. You can't fuck with Lois Lane. For fuck's sake. I'm a damn good cop. Lot of lasers. Mmm. Educational and informative. The DC Comics News Podcast Network presents Mad Love, the Harley Quinn cast. <laughs> Back to you, Seth. So, tell us your thoughts. We'd love to hear from everyone out there. Or not. That's really up to all of you. Fuckers. Picture this. Someone who knows nothing about comics. Someone who knows comics from movies, TV, and video games. A complete ultra comics nerd. You pick the character you want us to talk about. You send us the questions you want answered. You make the show. A podcast by fans. For fans. 
making new fans, superheroes, or dummies. Part of the Comics in Motion podcast network. In a world of stereotypes, being called a geek comes with a certain image. There is still that ingrained thing within me that is a little bit embarrassed about it. In reality, geek culture has never been more mainstream, and behind every geek is a real story. My dad was the one who got me into Star Wars and things. Join me, your super dummy Paul, as I continue my learning experience and talk to the real people. I'm a secondary school teacher, so I teach 11 to 16 year olds in English. Hear their stories exclusively on fantastic universes. He's one of them like, you've ever gonna grow up? And I'm like, no, why should I? I, I like my life, I, I enjoy what I do, this is my hobby. Available on all your favorite podcast catchers. Hi, my name's Steve, and I'm here to tell you all about the DC Comics News Podcast. Every week, my friends and I sit down and discuss everything DC. Movies, TV and streaming, comic books, and everything in between. But don't just take my word for it. Here are a couple of our sponsors. Listen to the DC Comics News Podcast. It's audio justice. <laughs> no, no, no. It's audio chaos. These wackos are crazier than I am. Well, maybe you're both right. Whatever the case, you can find the DC Comics News Podcast on every podcast platform. Apple Podcasts. Google Play. Spotify. Stitcher. And everywhere else you find podcasts. So, um, can I go now? Let him go. He did everything you asked. <laughs> Hello, listeners. This is Tony Farina from DC Comics News and an occasional guest on Comics in Motion. I'm pleased to announce a new show called Indie Comics Spotlight. Each week, my guests and I will be taking a deep dive into a current title or a classic graphic novel from a publisher other than the big two. Consider this show the best of the rest. My hope is that we'll bring new readers to independent comics and give old readers a chance to share their thoughts. Join me each week in the Comics in Motion feed in your favorite podcast catcher. I'd say is more dangerous than than Mizutsune. I'd definitely say is my other favorite Zenoga, though. Zenoga is effectively a beast which is in coexistence with these bugs called Thunderbugs. And to see one is basically hell no. Don't run into it. Do not go near it. If it starts charging at you, you're best you're better off just running for your life. It can use their power over electricity. And effectively, when it lets out a roar, it literally strikes down with so much electricity that it looks like it's just summoning thunder. When, yeah, it, yeah, when in yeah, fact, yeah. it's just telling bugs, hey, zap here, please. Commanding them with its own magical electrical energy. That's that's an interesting way to do it. It's, that's Because uh, like, I don't know if they these creatures would necessarily speak much, so communicating with this magic would be their main way of doing it, right? I'd say, yeah. Yeah, it would have these spikes on its back running along all the way down to its tail and you'd notice that if you ever got behind the creature 
these bugs are able to fly into it. So it's like, oh, that's like a hive space for these bugs to live in. At the same time, you have the strong Znoga just to defend you from any martial predators that would actually eat these bugs in the first place. Yep. That's one coexistence that I actually like about the monster in, in itself. In just Well, it looks very majestic as well for its own design because it's effectively what you'd get if you had a wolf and just a really nice color change and palette. Like that naturally makes a lot of sense that like in nature there are some animals that are sort of like I know that these there's these breeders like giant spiders that keep little frogs as pets almost to be able to clear away certain kinds of bugs that eat spiders' eggs. So there's the element of respect between different kinds of animals in nature and there's respect of that here as well. Yeah. Um in comparison to that, um I'd definitely say its power is definitely feared. It's not even classified, because it's not classified as an Elder Dragon, but it is classified as what the fans would call a flagship monster for being that powerful. Like, you know it when it shows up. It's definitely one of the favorites among the fans that if it's ever in a game, they would definitely, the fans will definitely try to hunt it as soon as possible to get the armor for it and the weapon styles. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and it, that kind of creature would definitely like draw in like a lot of attention. But then again, there's something about the overall look and the feel of these monsters, and that's something I know that you has drawn you in because whenever we go to a convention and for and for like your birthdays and your Christmases are sorted forever because all I need to do is get you the minis of the actual monsters from these games. So like, they just have such strong monstrous designs and stuff that really pulls you in just by the clear look and the overall nature of them all so like what would you say but would you what do you think about the looks of some of these creatures the looks on some of the creatures are some are very terrifying others are you've already heard my fa- two of my favorites already galvanus would be the third it's literally what you'd get if you put a sword on the tail of a t-rex and then cover the t-rex in its scales are literally like metal blades and literally, literally the spikes on it are always heading inwards all the way up to the head effectively what you have is a metal walking t-rex that can sharpen its tail sword whenever it needs to and uses that same sword tail to fight i've seen it in many let's plays and cutscenes. generally you have the same every time even in the fact of monster hunter world you're actually able to um see the monsters duke it out and they call that turf wars in the in the actual game there's one monster called nagakuga effectively take your cat give its tail a lot of spikes wings that it could use to glide except not with a cat mouth but with like a bird beak well my cat's already pretty dangerous as it is so i don't think i want to think about giving my cat more like battle upgrades as it is thank you but uh Yeah, it certainly sounds like they know how to design these monsters. They make them into like these really intense abominations by combining together a lot of real natural world stuff into like high magic, high intensity stuff. But then again, I think I heard somewhere that like there are parts that from every monster that you can fight that they can you can incorporate into your weapons and your armor and your gear and stuff. Um, every weapon mainly has well, most weapons have um, abilities that you can take just by getting the parts of certain monsters and adding them to it. Uh, generally in the games, the main plot of it would be that you don't know specifically how to upgrade your weapons with these monster parts, but that's literally like a passed down knowledge for the forgers who actually do the weapon upgrading for you. And it 
sometimes it would take a while before you could get all the parts you need but uh, um if you're very good at hunting down the monsters that you need to find for those parts then it's really no problem at all um even for me right now in monster hunter rise i did realize that i had a bit of trouble when it came to hunting down the more high ranked monsters at this current point in time because whilst i've been off offline grinding i did realize oh hey maybe i should kill this monster more times and get the rest of those materials so i can actually buff my armor up then i can use a more powerful weapon okay so there is like you do get like certain buffs to using elements and weapons and armor pieces from different sort of similar sorts of types of monsters as well so yeah that actually makes up that's a lot of sense um when you talk about like the power levels of monsters is it like a level sort of deal that matches up to your like character or are there other ways of sort of grading them best way to say of grading them uh you'd say like what's one way in monster hunter world's term effectively you have like your hunter rank and effectively they'll tell you okay one star quest if you're hunter rank two two star quest and vice versa all the way up to as far as i know hunter rank seven and the more dangerous the hunter rank is the more dangerous the monster is effectively you would have something like let's say say that's a one star and great jaggy looks like a leopard gecko fused with an iguana and it's like the size of an elephant oh okay yeah and effectively you run into this creature pretty early on in monster hunter world it's only when you reach like hunter rank i'd say five and seven that the real challenges start to come out because it's a it's a whole thing of you are li- you are changing the ecosystem part by hunting down certain monsters so by you just even hunting down some of the passive ones it's causing the more dangerous ones to come out and that's partly the goal of the, of the whole monster hunter games because you're hunting down these lower these lower predators, you're causing the bigger ones to literally change. Once you've brought them out, you're also allowing your researchers and the scientists to figure out, hey, we found out what's being what's the cause of the current problem going on in the current game, even. And that's partly even what I'm even doing with Rise, because I've gotten to a point, I think, in my streams where we know what's causing well, we don't know what's causing what's known as the rampages, and that's a different uh battle style thing in the game entirely all these monsters come in and rush destruction and it only ever happens every 50 years but you've got this i want to say it's like a tiger but it's got flame it's got purple flames leaking out of its um arms and and mouth yellow spikes on it including a tail which is effectively I want to say, you know the spears that could effectively split into three? No, but I like the idea of that. Yeah, its tail is basically a spear, which can, it looks like it's just a normal puncture spear, which could easily one thrust and you're done for. But its tail actually like splits into like a, three, a three-headed spear. And it uses that tail to not only try and skewer its foes, but also uses the flames on its hands and... The flames in its mouth to spew i want to say dark fire which could literally burn and keep on burning after it's hit in its opponent yeah uh so a very very dangerous beast certainly sounds like it it's um they've really nailed the designs of these creatures they're all so 
there's something that what would you say is the big thing that like sort of unites them design wise because like they all sound incredibly like wild and contrastingly different but there's all something like uniquely like monster hunter-y to them all what would you say that is the one the thing that links them all is what they would call I want to say it's what they call like the true dragon aspect um, of most of them um, because they said they did state in their history at, at some point there was the original true dragons but these beasts that have come afterwards are essentially variants of those dragons not all of them can fly but the ones who have evolved often like obviously become their own thing are remnants of what's left over along with the human race and other races that are in this world currently as well so it all kind of leads down the same path of oh you know everyone's partly gotten weaker even the monsters have partly gotten weaker but they're still powerful enough to hold off humans and the other races from figuring out what they've done in the past and keep it that way so they don't repeat the same mistake yeah there's so much actually in there and ingrained into it and from what i've seen you guys play of the gameplay of it it just looks so frenetic and wild that you just like sort of dive around the map with huge swords trying to cut down things like four or five six times bigger than you that honestly that kind of game could really just suck in a lot of players but who do you, who would you like ultimately try and sell Monster Hunter to, like as a franchise? Mostly, I'd say if I was to give Monster Hunter to anyone in particular, I'd say it would probably do well with the with the D and D community, considering they do like fantasy and like other elements in the storytelling business. Even obviously the fact of taking down monsters which are like twelve times your size, fifteen times your size, the size of a truck, the size of an island. I would definitely recommend that to the D and D community, if anything. Yep. Well, you've definitely got me interested in it and at the very least just for just like extra monster design not bad at all with just this very brief glimpse into the world of monster hunting with great oversized fangs and claws making up our swords and the hope that we might be able to find out where these magical dragons came from i'm sure we can probably look deeper because uh are there any new titles on the on the horizon for this franchise um currently from what i know you've got uh monster hunter rise which just came out on the switch and then there's supposed to be monster hunter stories 2 which i did play the first one and i did like that game because that was literally an age where you find out there is there are people who do actually coexist with these monsters and they use the use of i want to say magical stones that these monsters do use to bond with their humans Obviously, it's a case of you do you would as a character have to go and find the eggs in these in these monster dens to to acquire your monsters in the first place, which in my head doesn't seem like a right thing to do because you are effectively taking monster babies from the wild. Yeah, but at the same time, you are you are using them to effectively help civilization in a in a way. You're keeping things in check whilst at the same time not keeping things in check, if that makes sense. Yeah, you're bringing balance for your own stuff, not for the world or for the peace of the monsters. Yeah, and effectively with uh, Monster Hunter Stories, it was a case of you find out that there's this um, plague going around called the Blight, and effectively the Blight is um, causing monsters to go out of control and very wild on 
eat not just each other but also on civilizations so as a as a rider not just your general monster hunter you are tasked with effectively finding out what is causing the blight of which you come to the realization that there is an ancient dragon which is in charge of the blight essentially it's not in charge of it for the sake of like spreading it around it's more in charge of it in the manner of depending on if you had if it has a rider or a human that's in charge of it or not um it will either cure the blight or if the rider is evil and evil intentioned it will spread the blight even further thus dooming the world monster hunter stories 2 i think might be a continuation of that or it might be a completely different story but with the same elements that you are taming these monsters and living in harmony with them they've got them there's they've got that element to it where there's the piece of the world but also trying to piece within the monsters and they may not necessarily be both things super interesting you can really draw in a good people that are entrenched in a good story but also can see the positive side and sometimes you just want to slay some giant monsters honestly yeah you've I've been very interested in this title. I might have to, if I can pick it up somehow. But uh, that will be my next quest to go out and try and find something to slay. Thanks, pal. Thank you. For, thank you very much. You're very welcome. But that is going to sign us off. The the wide wild monster hunter franchises at its time here at the hostile takeover. But as for my guest Corey, where can the lovely listeners find you and your musings? Well, they can definitely find me either on No Ordinary Heroes or they can find me on my other channel with my lovely friend Mictions at Cosmics Nation on YouTube. If you literally just go youtube.com channel slash Cosmics Nations, you'll find us. Been subscribing to you guys for a while. You do a lot more streams than in terms of videos, but you're making good content that draws me in and keeps me inspired, so I definitely appreciate it. Uh, thank you for listening. Uh, this is Adam of Fantastic Universes. You can catch my gameplay on the Hostile Atmosphere, uh, hence the name of this show. You can find my writing about all things under the gaming banner on fantasticuniverses.com and things geared towards Dungeons & Dragons on the Apotheosis Studios blog. Thank you for listening, but until next time, live free and play well. Imagination outside the line, all standing, waiting. Heroes, villains, angels, Satan's. Oh my goodness gracious! It's worth it to see the hotel star's faces. We made it. The date is eventually here. Into the convention. Here, three cheers! LARPing stories, panels, stalls, stands, skits Professor Elementals on about six Of course at every con there's a couple of dicks That's not real steam, shut up you
Yes, it is. Every other person makes it better. Every volunteer all holds it together. Yes. You finally found your tribe. Yes. Every type all here inside. We're all equal. We're all worthy. I don't know why they all have a go at furries. If you want to dress up as a giant rabbit and have relations with a man squirrel, that is none of my business. Town. Freaks come out when the geeks get down Crammed in the back with a hazardous drink A swig of absinthe, I'm back from the brink oh. And nobody knows the rules Odd noises in hotel rooms Boba Fett hugging a fanatical fan Darth Vader down with six Batmans Parties packed, jams eclectic Fandom army all connected All the best unique the same All invited, join the game All done, all the best then cheers I'm all broken, see you next year Just want to swim around and live in a, live in a comic.